The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Join me as we look behind the magic curtain here on Fantasy NBA Today Thursday edition. I am Dan Baspris. Basically, what I was going to say right at the outset was there are days where a man has to stay up a little bit later to put together his fantasy podcast notes. And then there are days where 11 games are happening and almost all of them are over before the last two games start. Pretty remarkable, right? So, yes, this will be a show that is recorded in a couple of separate pieces. You'll probably be able to figure it out because I'm guessing the sound of my voice will change ever so slightly depending on what time of day I'm recording. I don't notice it while it's happening, but I definitely notice it when I'm listening back during the editing process. But that's what we're going to do on today's show. Because we've got a massive, massive 11-game Wednesday card to go over with really interesting storylines and the highest regular scoring game in my lifetime. Regulation game that Houston Washington... That was nuts. My, I honestly... I'm sure the stats are coming out and they'll probably pop up and I'll be able to throw them into the podcast later on. Uh, but as of this moment, I don't know the answer. I just know that it's a long time. And that was a lot of points. Goodness gracious. Oof. That's quite a ball game. We're going to be talking to Brandon Marcus here shortly. That'll be the first thing we do on the podcast. It was supposed to be yesterday, but uh, fires be darned here in Southern California. It made my life difficult. Didn't have uh, the ability to get on a show until very late in Wednesday morning. But everything a bit better here on Thursday. I have uh, nanny coverage earlier, which obviously makes my life easier. Uh, so we'll be talking to Brandon. We're going to get into some trades, some buy lows, and sell high guys, which we haven't done a ton of on the podcast so far. At least not specifically. You know, we've been talking about guys as they sort of emerge during our assessment of the different games and doing our homework and so forth. Uh, but we're going to be really focusing in on that. Then, of course, we'll go over the 11-game Wednesday, get you set for Thursday with some betting leans and some homework assignments on the short Thursday card. As it always is, the great TNT has their two games, and there's one additional game on Thursday. A Miami-Atlanta rematch. <laughs> Denver-New Orleans, San Antonio Clippers, those are your, your three. I believe the Clippers game is the one that's not televised. Am I right on that one? I think I'm right on that one. New Orleans has a lot of games televised when people thought they were going to have Zion at this point in the year. Oops. This show, of course, Fantasy NBA Today. As I mentioned, I am Dan Bespris, your friendly neighborhood host, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Dan from Hoopball. Just Google it. Look me up. We do a lot of stuff on Twitter. I do my tweet storms every night. People will tell you. The world has spoken of the legend of the tweet storm. It's really a foolish endeavor that I have undertaken here, but I'm going to continue to do it until my fingers bleed. So uh, do follow me on Twitter. It's very important to me that uh, we are able to connect that way. This show is also brought to you by Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. HawaiianIsles.com is the website, H-I Kona Coffee on Twitter, or just search for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee on Amazon. So I say to all of you now, happy Brandon Day. 
Happy Brandon Day. Yes. Uh, well, yesterday got completely obliterated by more of this fire-related stuff, so I'm glad we were able to connect today entirely on my end. Uh, although in, normally when I'm taking responsibility for something, I, I can apologize. This one, I don't know that I can uh, because like half of the west side got burnt up and so no one can get anywhere. But it's uh, apparently a tiny bit better today. The air is certainly better today. Did you get a lot of the smoke down in Culver? Did it blow your direction at all? No, not much. Oh, that's uh, nice. Uh, I'm actually in Century City. So, I mean, it's, it's, oh. it's, it's a little bit further away. Um, more towards the uh, Beverly Hills area, so not too bad. Mm, yeah, it was, it was unpleasant. And so it's weird because I don't want to get too sidetracked here, but I, I, I know but I shouldn't do. complain. I know I shouldn't complain because we didn't ultimately have to evacuate our home. We packed all the bags just in case, but didn't have to go. And now it's just like a insane nuisance because traffic is horrendous. A bunch of roads are closed. It seems like now I'm into complaint mode because it seems like everything is sort of controlled. The fire department did an amazing job. Uh, yeah. It's time to just take the shackles off, man. This is Los Angeles. You can't keep things closed for more than a day or the world turns on its head. There's too many people to have certain routes closed off. And it's not like they closed out side streets. They closed down freeway off ramps off the 405, for goodness sake. Doesn't uh, make sense at eh, all. Yeah, we're okay. Everything's good. Uh, yeah. I'm going to send the my kids not there. I mean, there, there were people that were literally driving on the freeway last year when the fire was like right next to the freeway. Oh yeah. People are nuts. But now it's like, Oh no, it's far away. It's probably, I think it's out for the most part as far as I know. Yeah. They, no, they, got it. they got it. The fire department did one, a wonderful job. It was like two in the morning on Monday and they had it mostly under control within like 24 hours. Uh, but it's Thursday now. So open up the damn roads, people. You're killing me. Uh, I wanted to do this segment yesterday, but we're doing it today. So, Brandon, you and I, we're going to do a little deep dive on some of the early season buy low, uh, sell high guys, maybe people you can kind of throw into a trade. Uh, but before we even get into that, he is Brandon Marcus, at BD Marcus on Twitter. He's one of our hoopball analysts and the host of the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Uh, your clips took sort of a uh, like a pre-planned loss in Utah the other day. They just were like, yeah, we're going to lose this one. Yeah, not happy about it. Not happy about <laughs> That's it. That's a weird decision uh, early in the year. Yeah, I don't love it. I was talking about it on the most recent podcast that I released before um, the game on Wednesday that I thought that Kawhi would play both games because PG's not back. Kawhi seems to be healthy. He said all along during the preseason that he's not going to be low managed like he was last year. So um, it just didn't make sense to me. It really didn't. I understand you want to keep him healthy and you want to keep him rested. But it's the beginning of the season. His legs should not be destroyed by now. He's had several games where he has not played over 30 minutes. And you're playing a team in Utah that's going to be important to beat for playoff seeding and important to beat for a playoff for a tiebreaker. And you just went there without Kawhi and laid an egg. And now what happens if you lose to the Spurs at home? I, I just don't like it at all. Um, you're going to have another back-to-back I know coming up that I think is going to include. I think this one's at – at San Antonio tonight, which is why two to it's road games. I got double check. I thought it was road and then home. Either way, I don't like it. It's too early in the season to be low managing a guy that seems to be healthy. It is in LA, by the way, so it just doesn't makes even less sense that's a road game than home game. Yeah, he, uh, and they even came out before the game yesterday uh, and said, "Yeah, he's out because of his leg, but also he feels great." So it's a weird, 
that was a weird thing to balance. Apparently, they're not getting punished because they told the league they were going to do it like three weeks ago. Uh, but it's still weird. And for uh, but for Kawhi Leonard owners, you kind of had to know this type of stuff was coming. I mean, uh, the the target for him is like sixty seven games this year, probably. So we're you know we're on pace <laughs> so far. That's uh, sure. about what you can expect on that one. Anyway, um, let's talk a little bit about these these weird. This the the legend of the small sample size. Who is uh, let Let's go with one of yours first here, because you actually threw a few names my way in a text message, and I thought a lot of them were interesting. Let's talk about the one on your list that may have actually ruined uh, the, his buy low last night. Yeah, I mean, we thought for sure that Mike Conley was dead, and then he just couldn't make a shot, and he was screwed. Um, and a lot of people were looking at not last year, but the year before, where he had to have surgery, and he was. Uh, above top 100 i mean he was really bad i think he was 120 130 and people were saying okay well he might be hurt again and this is not the same guy and then all of a sudden he just went off on the clippers last night so this is somebody that i know was being drafted uh once all the top point guards came off the board as somebody that was a hoop ball favorite around the fifth round and now he is producing but i still think there's a chance to buy low on him i think owners obviously saw that game last night and they're happy about it but they still might be hesitant that he might not continue that and would be willing to sell him for a little bit less than what they purchased him at. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there is a very narrow window here. I also think there is a a very real chance that he puts up another dud before he has another really big ball game. So there's kind of two schools of thought that you could take with how to approach a guy like Conley right now. One is, you know, is is the buy-low window shut? And people, you know your leagues better better than we do. So go figure out what team has Conley. If it's someone that listens to a ton of hoop ball, they're probably not going to sell him low anyway. But if there's someone that gets frustrated with guys, they might be thinking, oh, this is my opportunity to get rid of him. Uh, maybe I can get close to the value I paid, and, and that's your opportunity to go get him. The other one is, if you're you know riverboat gambler style, let him play another one or two games. He might throw up another egg, and you might be able to get him back on the cheap again if someone's like, oh, well, that one big one was a flash in the pan. That that was it. They play tomorrow uh, in Sacramento, I believe. Utah is playing the Kings. Yeah, that's the second time they're playing the Kings in a week. So that's uh, I'm going to mark that on my revenge docket here for Sacramento, even though they're terrible right now. Uh, he And he didn't play well against them the last time. So... You know, maybe there will be a weird thing where he has issues keeping up with De'Aaron Fox. I don't know. But if he clunks his way through, they play uh, your guys. They play the Clippers in L.A. on Sunday. They've got the Sixers, the Bucks early next week. This is a stretch where he could actually put up a couple of duds. You might be able to get him back on the ultra cheap if, let's say, he has kind of slow games against the Kings and the Clippers. Which way would you lean on that? I think that's the direction I would go, which is, I feel like I missed the cheapest opportunity to get him, so I'm going to see if maybe he depresses his value with a bad game against Sacramento or the Clips. Yeah, I'd be okay still floating out an offer. Like, I did one yesterday. I wasn't expecting it to get accepted, but Karis Levert for Conley, just to see if somebody maybe picked up on Karis Levert's strong start. It was rejected, but it was worth throwing out there to oh, see for sure. if it got accepted. I mean, you might as well. Something like that, I'm fine with. Here's the one issue with Conley. Um, he even said after the game yesterday that he was really starting to doubt himself and wasn't sure, like, okay, well, may, could this possibly be, I mean, is this is me falling apart? And then he's like, I'm too good for this. 
if a guy goes through that for two or three more games, sure he had that good game, then you start to wonder where he's at mentally. And that could be hard to overcome. But at the same time, he's a veteran in this league, and there's so much now in terms of meditation and other random stuff to get guys out of that that I still think that he'd be worth buying. Um, so I, I'm okay with either one, seeing if you can do that buy low like we were talking about and maybe float out the guy that you were going to do before he had that big game or just wait a couple of games and because he does have a tougher stretch. The Clippers will be a much tougher game with Kawhi when they play in L.A. Yeah, I'm, uh, I, I think he's got plenty left in the tank. I know he's getting up there a little bit, and he's been in the NBA for a little over a decade now, so he's not uh, a spring chicken anymore, but he is coming off arguably the best season of his career last year, 21, six and a half. I know that he pretty much had kind of rule of the roost in Memphis, uh, but he was, he was fantastic. So yeah, like you said, if there's a doubt thing, you know, they, they have a lot of resources available that, that would have helped him in that spot. Maybe he used one. I don't know. Uh, that would be a, a glowing endorsement because he came out and he was brilliant. 11 of 17 last night, 29 points, five assists, two steals, five, three pointers, you know, he's been an 83 to 85% foul shooter over the last roughly eight years of his career. He's hitting almost two three-pointers a game. Uh, the field goal percent is never going to be brilliant. That's not why you drafted him, but, you know, you're probably looking at somewhere between four and six assists per night as well. He just has, he had extreme by low written all over him. I don't know that there was, he might have been the ultimate by low before last night, right? Because he was averaging, what was he at? Yeah, seven? he was awful. Like, he was shooting like seven 20%. points. I think it was a seven points a game before that. Yeah, he was really bad. He was shooting. He was shooting really poorly. He's still only at thirty-two percent after one big game. So there's these things level off, man. These guys sort of are who they are at a certain point. Uh, he's he's figuring out how to fit in a new system with all new teammates. It's the first change he's ever had to make in his entire career. Where he played in Memphis, Memphis from two thousand seven to two thousand nineteen. That's a long time to be in one spot with generally one system and generally having control of things. And now he's uh, second or sometimes third fiddle on a team. So it's a weird spot, but it was absolutely a buy low. And uh, we may have missed some of it. I'm, you know, I think Brandon, good advice to just lob some stuff out there. Oddly enough, by the way, Karis Levert uh, ranked number 189 right now. He's only 30 spots in front of Conley at 220 because <laughs> um, yeah. he can't hit a free throw and he turns the ball over like a crazy person. Um so, uh, you know, I, I think you can lob some offers out there. I think you consider uh, the only downside to that would be if Conley has a bad game, you don't want to send the same offer back out there. But you actually could. You could sort of hammer offer, which isn't the world's greatest strategy. But if a guy, if the owner thinks, wow, my, you know, my Conley has turned the corner now and then he has one more bad game, maybe you throw it right back out and say, hey, you rethinking this right now? And yeah. uh, maybe you get a bite on that front. Um, another point guard that as long as we're talking by low that you and I actually started to talk about off air and then thought, well, maybe we ought to just save this until we're actually hitting record on the podcast is Eric Bledsoe, uh, who right now is, uh, ranked behind Conley, despite, I would argue, seeming like he's gotten off to a slightly better start than Mike, but for whatever reason, cannot make a free throw to save his life. That's gone totally out the window. Uh, are people really abandoning faith in Eric Bledsoe? I mean, is this really happening four games into the season? I, I guess it is, huh? Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, I mean, uh, I know somebody in my life that uh, is very upset with him for drafting him. Um, he's upset that he owns him in several different leagues and is starting to think about getting rid of him. 
And uh, I went to look him up, look it up last night to see where he's been recently. And Bledsoe has been top 40, I believe, in the last four years. Yeah. So he is a guy that's been consistent. You know what you're going to get from him. And we've discussed this, that he did have that injury in the preseason. You hope it's not an injury that's going to continue to linger. Uh, and that because he's playing through it, that's not going to heal. But you would assume that they're doing whatever they can during the off days and stuff to get him better. And he still has the talent. He's still getting the minutes, which I think is important because he's still playing. It's not like he's not playing anymore. So as long as he's getting the minutes, I do think that he'll end up doing better. And I'm going to do that same thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to propose Levert to try and get Bledsoe and see if that maybe gets accepted. Mm, I like that a lot. That's a really nice one. And he's, by the way, he's only 29. You know, he's not on the wrong side of his career midpoint. He's sort of in his career midpoint right now. I know he's been around for like eight or nine years, uh, but you know, he came out when he was 20, I think. So he's, he's just not that old yet. Looking at his Milwaukee numbers in particular, uh, they've been pretty damn consistent. He shot 48% with the Bucks after he got traded two years ago, 48% again last year. Uh, 35% from downtown the first season with Milwaukee, 33% last year. The one thing that's been kind of odd is that his free throw shooting has been worse in Milwaukee than it was in Phoenix. I have no reasonable explanation for that, but he's generally around a 78 to 80 percenter, and he's at 54 percent so far this year. His field goal percent for his career is 45. Like I said, 48 in Milwaukee. He's at 36 so far this year. I will continue. I have more. Uh, his steal rate over his entire career. He's averaged one and a half steals per game, and a lot of that has been done in his career in under 36 minutes a night. He's been a crazy high, almost two steals per 36, dude. He's at half a steal in 26 minutes so far this year, and he hasn't blocked a shot yet. He's not healthy. This is the only reasonable explanation. He missed the entire preseason. He's shaking off the injury. I believe, and obviously this was one of those things where I was like, crap, I'm going to have Bledsoe everywhere. I wish he didn't get hurt because, you know, it, it wasn't like it hurt his ADP. He was already going too late. So then instead, I just got a guy who was going to be slow to start the season. I have Bledsoe almost everywhere. If I didn't, I'd be trying to get him almost everywhere because I believe he can be had on the ultra cheap right now. You know, you mentioned Karis LeVert, uh, who's a, a guy who has sort of more buzz than value to this point in the season as as someone who's sitting in that whatever it is, like two one in 190 range, I think, early in the season, despite scoring a lot of points. You know, one of the tools that you can use, I don't know if you ever do this, Brandon, is I just go to Yahoo and I sort guys by their current rank and then I sort guys by their preseason rank and just look to see who was, you know, drafted like in the 120 range that's putting up top 40, top 50 numbers. Those are the guys you can lob out there right now uh, for Bledsoe. They have to have a little bit of name power. You know, you're not going to get him for uh, Tristan Thompson you're not going to get him for P.J. Tucker, but look for someone who has some buzz around their name, like uh, Kendrick Nunn, who was basically undrafted and is sitting inside the top 30 so far this year. Or, uh, hell, I don't know. What other names pop out at you right now? So wait, you, you wouldn't do, you wouldn't trade away Tucker or... Oh, I would. I just don't think you'd get accepted for that. I, I think I think okay. you need to throw someone who has more shine. I think you need you, more shine on their like name. Nunn would get accepted over a guy like Tucker? I do, yeah. Because people believe that Kendrick Nunn is the, you know, he's going to put up 20-something points all season long and buzzy, buzzy, buzz, buzz, buzz. Whereas with P.J. Tucker, 
I don't think people are at all aware of the fact that P.J. Tucker's been an early round value so far this he's year. Number 11 right now. Yeah, he's been insane. Um, yeah, I just dropped him, by the way. Of course, as we're talking about it, I just dropped Tucker to add Holmes in a keeper league. Just <laughs> well, keeper's a different a different yeah. beast. And he, I also lost Steph Curry the same night, so that sucks. Yeah, that was that was not great. I'll be talking more about that uh, a little later in the podcast. Here's, That's a good one for you. Would you trade away SGA to get blood so? Mm, I think they finish pretty close to one another. So I, I mean, I, I would, but I also think that that's more of a lateral move than, yeah. than an upward move. I mean, I, I think SGA is going to be like you know top forty-five ish, top fifty, and then Bledsoe might be like half a round above that. So I, I, I don't, I, I would hope to make a bigger jump with someone who's gotten off to as slow a start as Bledsoe has. Uh, do we think people would take OG Ananobi for Eric Bledsoe right now? I feel like there's not enough shine on his name. Oh, no, no, no chance. Yeah, even though he's been... He's on waiver wire in several different leagues. I mean, he's, just, he's had good games, obviously, but do we actually think he's going to keep it up? I mean, not obviously Kawhi's gone, so the numbers are there. It, it's interesting with these guys, though. I mean, P.J. Tucker right now is ranked 11, and then you have guys that like Thompson, that's number 14. Yeah, Tristan Thompson. <laughs> I also would trade Kevin Love, by the way. If I own Kevin Love, I would trade him. He's going to get hurt at some point. He might get traded at some point. His usage will never be higher than it is right now. And he's ranked 16. You might be able to get a decent amount. I think uh, so. Yeah, so I, I like him a lot, but still. By the way, remember when I was getting uh, absolutely crushed about Thomas Bryant and how I was saying that he's not better than Siakam, but that there's a chance that he ends up as a guy that we're thinking about next year, like Siakam, that's getting drafted in the first couple of rounds. He's number 27 so far. Yeah, just saying. Yeah, how about that Wizards-Rockets game, huh? Oh, God. Oh. I was playing against James Harden in one of my no. games. Like, <laughs> like, end it, please. And it's also a league with double-doubles, and so he had nine assists. I'm like, just end. Stop. Stop. No more. I apologize. I didn't mean to open up a wound there. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. That guy does not miss a free throw, by the way. It is no. unbelievable. I think he's missed one on, like, 35 attempts the last two nights. Yep, which is good because he couldn't make a shot for the first two or three games of the year. Yeah, that, that's true. That's why, that's why these certain guys are up at the top and there's nothing that can knock him off of that. Yeah, he's averaging. Of, of course, by the way, Tucker has nine points in that game yesterday and he's still ranked number 11 overall. Yep, because he's averaging one and a half steals, half a block, 3.3 three-pointers so far. So the 60% field goal number is obviously going to come down. Yeah. Um, they're just playing no defense at all in Houston and they're running up 150 points a night. I, it's why I love Daniel House also. Yeah, and it's a welcome sight, for, by the way, for Bradley Beal owners that were, may have been a little bit concerned. He's been good, but last night he was great. He was great. There was a lot to love in that ballgame. By the way, uh, I wanted, you know, I, 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 this is a, 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 a horn tooting here, but I don't know how many other shows out there were telling everybody to pick up Daniel House two or three games ago. Uh, so I feel pretty good about that one. That one, I think, was a win for Fantasy NBA today. Um, okay, so Eric Bledsoe, by the way, uh, Freddie Van Fleet, that's the name that I was having trouble coming up with while we were talking. He feels like the perfect... Ooh, good one. ...like to throw out for these, you know, top 35, top 40 proven guys. Yeah. Um, I would absolutely trade him away for Conley or Bledsoe. I would try and get him for a guy like JV, too. Ooh, God, I love Valanchunas, though. I have such a soft spot for him in my heart. I would trade away, yeah, I would trade away Van Fleet to get JV. Oh, that's what you meant. Yeah, I'm on board with that one. JV's name's not as big, and Fred Van Fleet's is. So I think that's something you can do. And like we've talked about, JV's minutes continue to uh, increase. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's gone up two minutes every single game so far. 
Yeah, um, that's a buy low too as well, by the way. He, he's still producing, so it's not as low as you would like. But he, it's showing you how good he can be in increased minutes. Yep. And also, I would like to point out, and I did on, on yesterday's show, when he goes out of the ball game, the Grizzlies go from mildly competitive to horrible. Yeah. He's the only thing keeping that team afloat most nights right now. It's, yeah. it's bad around, around Val Junis in Memphis Town. Um, okay, so those are a couple of by-low point guards. What about... The other side of the coin, uh, you had mentioned Malcolm Brogdon as a, a possible, and this came up actually in the Hoopball forums earlier uh, this morning, where people were like, is this a guy a hold or a sell? Uh, I'm on team sell, but with sort of the caveat that he's going to beat his ADP, he's just not going to be a mid-first rounder. No, but I like him a lot. I mean, this is a guy that we talked about coming in as somebody that gives you that 50, 40, 90 that you can't get very many places, and he's going to get the increased usage. Oladipo is going to come back at some point, but we still don't know when that's going to be. So Brogdon's usage will go down a little bit once Oladipo comes back. But I still think this is a guy that can produce top 35, top 40 value when given the opportunity. So now the question is, do you hold? Do you buy high? Or do you maybe sell high? And, and the question is, who would you get mm. in return for Brogdon? That, that's the biggest piece. Here's, here, I'll float this one at you. If you have Brogdon, would you trade him away to get Jonathan Isaac? No, I'd rather have Brogdon. See, exactly. And, and Isaac's a really good player that gets a lot. I mean, right now, Isaac is sitting at 21, which is really good, by the way. Um, I mean, who could you get for him is the biggest question when you have a guy like Malcolm Brogdon. Do you maybe try... I'm looking at guys drafted in the late second round that are underperforming. Drew Holiday. Interesting. Nikola Vucevic. Miles Turner. I don't know how much farther down the list I'd go. I don't know about Miles Turner, man. Uh, he Right now, he's sitting at 59 overall, and he's making two threes per game. Now, he did get hurt and only play nine minutes in the last one. So if not for that, his That's ranking true. was a, uh, a bit higher. I just That's... These are guys that I think you could get. Yeah. Uh, and you also have to believe in them, too, right? So you can't, you're not just going to pick out a guy in the second round who's underperforming because maybe you don't actually want that guy on your team. Like, I would rather have Malcolm Brogdon than Jaron Jackson Jr., which I think probably uh, oh, puts me too. in the minority. No, yeah, me too. I, <laughs> these what guys, a... by the way, that are starting off well, that were hype guys coming in, Bam is another one. Brogdon, those two guys. Isaac, I think they're going to keep it up throughout the season. They, they may not obviously sit top 20, but they're going to be very productive throughout the year. Oh, yeah. I've had, in the leagues where I have Bam, I've had like two trade offers come at me every day to try to get him off of my team. You're not going to so, get him, guys. It's not happening. Do better if you want him. Throw me, throw me Vooch if you want Bam. I'll probably give him to you straight up, but you ain't getting anything better than that. Uh, it's, yeah, I, I mean, so that's the, that's the blend here. I think that's the, actually the key point of the sell high, which is understanding that guys are, and to Bam, you know, Bam actually probably could remain where he is right now. Cause he, his, his, uh, counting numbers are, are crazy high, but he actually was kind of depressed in rank because of a bad start at the free throw line. Uh, so he's maybe not the best example, but I think Brogdon really is a good example of this. He's currently ranked number six. He was drafted near, what, 60? Uh, yeah. I think you and I both agree he's going to beat 60, but he's not going to be number six. 
at the end of the year. So you have to figure out what you can get back based on where you believe he finishes and the understanding that you're not going to be able to get a first rounder for him just because he's in the first round right now. There is a creamy midpoint, which is, I believe, uh, underperforming late second round picks. Uh, But you have to like those guys. Three guys, and you you tell me if you'd rather have Brogdon or you'd rather have these guys. Mm -hmm. LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, I'd rather have Aldridge. Okay, so so that's a good idea. Uh, Jason Tatum. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. That one I think is actually pretty damn fair. I'm, I just, I'm, that's a, not a very good stance I'm taking on that one. Uh, Jason Tatum ranked number 29, but he's shooting just 37%. It seems like he's into the volume thing this season. Um, so I'm going to say Tatum because there's nobody coming for half of his usage in a month and a half. Kemba. I'd rather have Kemba also. Yeah. Okay. So there are three guys right there. That if you owe Malcolm Brogdon, three guys that I think I would target. Yeah. Tatum is the closest. You had me, you had me on the fence with that one. I, th- yeah. I think if you went any farther down the list, I probably would have said Brogdon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get into a guy... Well, you know, I think I'd probably have, rather have a guy like Tobias Harris also. Yeah. But that's Especially the cutoff. Especially if MB's going to miss games at some point, because these guys, I mean, I, whatever the hell happened last night, I mean, these guys are going to get suspended. The question is, how many games? Um, and they didn't help themselves out on social media after the game. <laughs> how amazing was that? Oh my goodness gracious! Oh, the know, NBA. What made them think that was a good idea? Um, I don't know. Somebody needed to have a veteran on that team to chill everything out. They did not do their job. Uh, one more, by the way. If I own Porzingis, I'm trying to trade him. I mean, they said before the season started that he was going to miss a ton of games. He's missed none so far. So people may have forgotten that that was going to happen. You know what actually really surprised me is a guy whose ranking is way lower than I would have expected. By the way, Porzingis is number 37 right now. Yeah. Uh, is Shea Gilgis Alexander? Who, yeah, that's why that's why I was bringing him up earlier. It's I thought he was way higher. Yeah, it's the free throw number so far yeah, that's crushing him. Sixty eight percent, sixty eight point eight on high volume too. He's getting to the and, line a lot and he's bricking them. But he's a, he should be a high seventies guy if we're going to go off of last year. So I got to think that that levels off at some point. Yeah, I mean he's shooting threes, he's getting rebounds, assists. I think the steal number might go up over one per game. Yeah, blocks he's probably come down blocks. a tiny bit. Field goal percentage is the biggest issue. But he had a one really bad field goal percentage game yesterday, which probably plummeted him down a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm struggling to figure out what to do with him on one of my teams because I love him as my child, but at the same <laughs> time, I, I just don't know what I could get from him, get for him. I bet you could get. This is this is the weird thing about fantasy sports, man. It sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with the actual ranking at that moment. I bet you could get more for Shea Gilgis Alexander than somebody ranked twenty slots ahead of him right now. Oh yeah, for sure. You can get more for Shea than you could for PJ Tucker. Oh yeah, I yeah. mean without question. And right now they're separated by sixty slots. Yeah. Tucker on the the positive side, just because there's so much buzz. Buzz is more important than rank a lot of the time. Now you and I agree. We both love Shea. As a, as a guy this year, I just said that he was basically a lateral move for, what, Brogdon? Is that who we were talking about at that point? Uh, uh, well, we were just talking Brogdon. I mean, we were talking se- several different players. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that this is a low point for him because of the two percentages, and yet I don't think that it's a buy low. He's ranked 76th, and I think you'd have to pay a top 40, top 45 guy to get him on your team right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to figure out what I would want to get for him if you were trading uh, him away. 
Yeah, if I was trading away what I would want in return. Brogdon. I mean, <laughs> Go get Brogdon. Yeah. Bledsoe versus uh, SGA. Uh, I think I'm going Bledsoe on that one. Yeah, I think so, too. With uh, the hope that he gets this thing, this injury shaken off in the next, like, one to two weeks. Yeah. Mm. But, yeah. But he healed. He's wildly underperforming so far as well. Yes, he's another one uh, that I just proposed Whiteside to try and get healed to see if maybe they'll bite there. I like Whiteside a lot, by the way. I think I like him more than most. Um, he's been I think good. they need him. Yeah, he's been good. He hasn't missed a ton of free throws yet. That's really the one thing you're... Hugely concerned. Would you trade away SGA to get Buddy Healed? Yes. I would too. I would too. Absolutely. Buddy Healed is an easy top 40 guy win this season. He's not going to shoot 35% all year. Yeah. The Kings are horrible, by the way. Yeah. The, here's the funny thing about the Kings is that they're horrible, but they have three guys that you might really, really want between Fox, Healed, and Holmes. Mm hmm. Yep. That's a, that's a magic, man. I feel. I don't know how many other people had the Kings season win total under. I felt like I was basically alone with that one, and it was one of my favorites, and everybody told me I was insane. But I've watched Luke Walton long enough to know that he can run something into the ground pretty quick. <laughs> he's, he's not, how long does he get? He might not make it through the year. Yeah, he's, a, he's not a good coach. He's not. Bad assistant coaches wherever he's gone now. I, there's just, like, there's nothing. Uh, also, by the way, I don't want to put it all on Luke, and I know we're getting sidetracked here from the, the trade talk. Uh, but the Kings were terrible after the All-Star break last season also. And that was under Jaeger. Um, they were like 9-25 and 25 after the... Or am I getting that right? Something like 9-25 and 25 after the break last season or 9-20. So and talent 20. like that, you shouldn't be bad, you know? Like no, it's... but here's the thing. They didn't... They ran a, a gimmicky offense a bit last year, right? Like just sprinting, full tilt, all the time, minimal defense. Teams yeah. started to catch up a little bit, and they never made that secondary adjustment uh, so now they're just a team that doesn't play defense and can't break as often, and it's it's killing them. Uh, so I get it. Luke Walton's trying to keep them from turning the ball over. He's trying to teach them to slow it down a little bit. Uh, everybody just wants them to run, 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 but teams have figured that out now, so they have to have something else. Fox, by the way? What's that? If you owned Fox, are you worried about him? No. Okay. No, I think he'll be fine. I, I He was getting overdrafted, I thought, in nine cat leagues in particular, but he's also not going to shoot. 39% all season. I mean, they're just, they've been horrible so far. Yeah. Um, the Kings are almost all by lows, except for Rashawn Holmes, who's the king of the mountain. Uh, <laughs> do we have anybody else we want to cover before we wrap this bad boy up? No, I think that that pretty much covers it. Just some, just some big names that I think uh, have been popular over the last uh, several weeks and obviously during the preseason. Let's do this. Uh, I know many of you are listening to this podcast on a drive, so don't tweet and drive, but when you get to your destination, uh, pull up your phone, shoot us a note, at Dan Bespers, at BD Marcus. Throw us some ideas on the buy lows and the sell highs. We'll give you some opinions on it. Uh, there is profit to be made right now. This is the juiciest time of year to pull off a trade where you can actually win it without actually looking like you're winning the trade. And it'll probably feel a little bit gross when you make the offer. So let's get that going. Let's get a little chatter. I'm going to try to promote it on Twitter. Uh, Brandon, happy Brandon Day. Happy Brandon oh, Day. Wait, I forgot. Does anything ail you, my man? No, 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 no real ailments today, which is uh, which is really good. I'm I'm happy about it. Um, yeah, no, no real ailments. Terrific, terrific. What a time! What a time to have a Brandon day. Uh, I'll yeah. talk to you in a week, huh? Yeah, talk to you soon. <laughs> Later, buddy. That was our good buddy Brandon Marcus at BD Marcus on Twitter, getting into some trade stuff. 
Before we discuss the massive Wednesday slate on a game-to-game basis, want to remind everybody of our new partnership with the good folks at Manscaped.com, M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D. You probably know how the word... It's basically... Uh, well, it's not landscape because there's no D in the middle of the word. Manscaped. Past tense. Manscaped. You've been manscaped. I guess that's a... Uh, what is that? A participle? I don't know. I forget my grammar. Uh, Manscaped.com is the website. You can get 20% off your order with promo code HOOPBALL as a proud partner of Fantasy NBA Today and free shipping. Again, the promo code is HOOPBALL, the name of our company. 20% off your order and free shipping. Terrific company. Great products. The Lawnmower 2.0. It has proprietary skin-safe technology so this trimmer will not snag listen we're all there's a lot of us listening to this program that are men that absolutely detest shaving in any fashion manscaped of course focused on specialty grooming generally below the belt uh get good stuff for that man don't use the 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 garbage you can get like at the front counter of cvs that's gonna hurt this is not something you want to hurt grooming is essential In fact, 89% of men believe so. You may be one of them. Women think that men should manscape. Women think that bad grooming is a big turnoff. Really fortunate, by the way, that I'm already married because my face is ridiculous. My hygiene is terrible. Yours shouldn't be. Manscaped.com is the website. Again, HoopBall is the uh, promo code for 20% off and free shipping. They've also partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to raise awareness about the most common form of cancer in men ages 15 to 35. Can you believe that? They're providing help to support and support, excuse me, to the fighters, survivors, and caregivers of uh, testicular cancer. That's a hard word to say, actually. Not one I say on podcasts very often, but obviously worth saying in this particular context. Good company, great product, doing nice things as well. Check them out. At least just visit the website, manscaped.com. If you end up seeing something you like, go get it. Uh, Rechargeable battery, 60 minutes. No, you don't have to replace your double A's all the time. Again, promo code is HoopBall. Wednesday's contests were enjoyable, actually. It was a fun one. Remember how Monday everything went under? Uh, Wednesday, a lot of games went the other direction. Not all of them, but at least it was a little bit closer to a split. Right? Like, New York-Orlando went under. I don't know why these numbers haven't adjusted. Orlando's playing a brutally slow pace this year. And then they just don't shoot very well. So they're slowing it down and then not making buckets and that... um, yeah, that leads to lower scoring games. Uh, that one went under. Chicago Cleveland was over. Mini Philly was under. Milwaukee Boston was ever so slightly under. Indiana Brooklyn over. Detroit Toronto over. Portland OKC under. Houston Washington went over by about a half a ball game's worth. I mean, so anyway, it's it wasn't like Monday where uh, nine of the eleven games were either a push or an under. That was a tough one to find good fantasy value. This was not. This was a good one. New York and Orlando will start working our way through. Mitchell Robinson still not playing enough minutes. Stayed out of foul trouble, but only played 19 and a half minutes anyway. Uh, but he's still doing more than enough in his 19 minutes to be a top 50 guy. You just Let's hope that that number creeps up. Bobby Portis did his usual stuff that I don't really care for that much. Points, rebounds. Uh, he hit a couple of threes, doesn't do it on great percentages. I think he's overblown after one big ball game. Minutes are there for him, though, so you have to at least consider it. I mean, between Portis and Marcus Morris, I'd rather have Marcus Morris. 
the rebounds will be lower, but you'll see more steals and blocks. Free throw percentage is better. He missed a bunch of shots in that ballgame. If he makes as many shots as Bobby Portis, you're talking about a guy who has like 16-5, a steal, four blocks, and a three-pointer. I'm considering a Marcus Morris ad. He's, he's right on the fringe, and he probably will be all season long. If you are someone who has Alfred Payton, this game was actually probably a good thing because Frank Nilakina played 29 minutes and didn't really do anything with it. Uh, Markel Fultz played only 20 minutes, DJ Augustine 28. So again, we're mentioning Magic really need to go on a losing spell if you want to see that particular position battle shift directions. It has not yet. Otherwise, standard fare. Vooch, nice game. Aaron Gordon, better than usual. Jonathan Isaac, not a high enough usage to our liking, but another great fantasy line. Another great one. Evan Fournier is playing better this year than last year, and that's as far as it goes. Oh, Terrence Ross looks horrible so far, uh, but he's not going to shoot whatever he's at right now. I guess it's worth looking up. He went one for 10 in this ball game, and I believe he's shooting like 22% on the year so far. So that'll come up. He's getting his looks. You know, he's getting his 10 to 12 shots per game. Last season, he averaged 12 and a half. I don't know if he's going to get quite that high, but 12 would be enough for him to get back on a team and hit two and a half three-pointers. So don't bail out there if you drafted him. I know it's tough so far, but, you know, he's flamethrower off the bench and his flamethrower had some water on it. Chicago loses to another bad team this season going down the toilet fast for the Chicago Bulls. Why Jim Boylan was signed to an extension is the world's greatest mystery because he's taken a team with loads of talent and turned them into a turd. That's hard to do, actually. Maybe that's why. Larry Markkinen, uh, better. Zach Levine, not so great, but okay. Tomas Sadoransky had his first kind of signs of life, played 27 minutes, had eight assists, two threes, and eight points, but no defensive stats. Chris Dunn, 21 minutes. Kobe White, 20 minutes. That continues to be a problem. Otto Porter had signs of life in this ballgame, 15-5-3 and three in 28 minutes. So that's at least something in the right direction. That's just... It's time to find an identity, man. They don't play good defense. They don't play good offense. What do they do? They let the Cavs shoot 53% in this ball game. They don't turn the ball over very much. I'll give the Bulls credit on that front. They just take a bunch of bad shots instead. Tristan Thompson is a wonder boy right now. I don't know how this happened, but we mentioned it right after the first game. He was an immediate and mandatory pickup. I hope you guys grabbed that after the 16 and 11 on opening night because since then, he's had a 25, 13, and 3 block game, a 17, 13, and 4 assist game, and then this one was 23 and 10 with 5 blocks, which won't happen very often. He's not a block shot guy, but luckily Chicago sucks and they just drove it right into him. He's not a good foul shooter, but at this point, he's not taking enough for it to really matter, and he's just clobbering. He's like a second-round guy right now. That won't last, but just ride it until the wheels fall off, man. I hope you got him in a couple of places. I think I have him in, like, two of my five money leagues. Wasn't quite fast enough in the other two where I would have wanted him. There's one that's a little more points for Matty where I I can't imagine he's going to score like this. But, yeah, just keep trucking him out there, man. He's kicking ass and taking names. Kevin Love was good again. Chetty Osman was okay. I'm not really buying into it. 
A couple of notes. Larry Nance played 30 minutes, so you're definitely holding on to him because the rebounds and the steals will equilibrate a little bit. Jordan Clarkson seems to be winning the minutes battle with Darius Garland, or at least the touches battle. And I know he only took six shots, but he did take nine free throws, which again leads you to, okay, Jordan Clarkson actually got a bunch of offensive looks in this game. He's just not really a nine-cat guy, but he's knocking on the door. Minnesota was blown out in Philadelphia. Uh, Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns ejected. That hurts the, the Timberwolves more than it does the Sixers. Sixers have far more additional options on their team. When Cat's down for Minnesota, they are cut off right at the nubs because Andrew Wiggins is awful in terms of guys that can create their own shot. Jeff Teague looked a step slow in this game. He was fine in 24 minutes. It was a blowout. He would have played more down the stretch. One thing I will say... To the Wolves' credit, Rob Covington had four defensive stats in this game. Didn't do anything else, so you still have a buy-low window on him, and I'm digging it. Go get him. He looks healthy. He looks rusty, but he looks healthy. Uh, Matisse Thybul had six defensive stats. Boy, you guys are going to throw this one in my face repeatedly. Listen, this is like the Giannis thing from two years ago when I said... I don't think he's ever going to be a top three fantasy guy because he doesn't hit three-pointers and he can't make free throws. That wasn't me saying he's not a brilliant first-rounder. That was me saying I'm not going to use a top four pick on Giannis. He's going to be my number five, always. He continues to be. On that front, I was right. What I've said on this one with Matisse is, for one, I need him playing more than 21 minutes a game. I think we can all agree on that. Because even if you do believe, which I don't, that he'll average four defensive stats a game over the course of the year, which, as I mentioned on a show earlier this week, only Anthony Davis did last season, and it took him 35 minutes a game, basically, to get there. If you really believe Tybalt is going to average four or more defensive stats a game, it's not going to happen in 21 minutes. It just won't. It's just too long of a season. Too many adjustments get made. Too much fatigue sets in. He profiles as a very good defensive stat guy. There is no question about that. You guys are all spot on in that analysis. I will not take that away. What I will take away is, if you can find someone in your league that believes he's going to average five, four to five defensive stats per game, you sell him to that person and you make a profit. Or you can just trot him out there. And when it settles into like two and a half to three defensive stats per game, that's still pretty damn good. And you can just ride that. You know, like if you have him right now, he's like an upgraded version of Kent Bazemore. I'd rather have Tybull than Bazemore. And you guys know I like Baze. But I'm not going to come on here and tell you Baze is going to average three defensive stats. And I'm not going to tell you Tybull is going to average four. It just doesn't happen in the modern NBA. If he turns out to be that guy that, like, breaks the entire fantasy mold and is the one dude in God knows how long, since, what, Andre Kirilenko, uh, to get up into that stratosphere? I mean, that, that would blow me away. So it's a balancing act here. If anything ever happens to Josh Richardson, then he becomes an unbelievable asset. As it stands right now, the defensive stats are, are fantastic, not doing much else, um, but a guy that you can't really drop because he's like four or five minutes away from being a must-start dude. I hope that 
adequately explain my position. Milwaukee was cruising in this ballgame and then totally fell apart. Giannis tried to do it himself, and it didn't really work as well as it normally does. Uh, and he iced out his teammates, really. Um, the other guys on the team didn't get the looks that they were hoping for down the stretch, and it put a, th- a big hole into what was actually looking like a pretty good game for Eric Bledsoe. He looked bad late. Wesley Matthews looked horrific in this game. He came back to earth. Eric Bledsoe remains a massive buy-low opportunity. He's playing plenty of minutes. Uh, He missed all three of his free throws in this game. There are things happening to him that will not happen as he gets fully healthy. He had seven points, five boards, five assists, no defensive stats. Does this look like the guy that we know? No, this is a guy that's rusty and injured still and trying to shake it off. I'd be willing to bet most of what I own that by the middle of November, we won't be talking about this anymore. So go get him. See if you can get him for something cheap. Middleton's playing well to start the year. Giannis does whatever he does, misses a bunch of free throws to to clutter what could have been a really good game. Uh, and George Hill has been very efficient, but no, you're not. You're not leaping at that one. On the Boston side, Gordon Hayward, big one, 21-10-7. That's going to float his value. Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum all look good. No Jalen Brown in this one, so by eliminating one mouth to feed, it really made all of the other folks a little more full in the tummy. Indiana win at Brooklyn. Jeremy Lamb, big difference maker in this game. 25 points, 7 boards. TJ Warren, 20 points, 3 steals. Sabonis played well. Malcolm Brogdon played well. Miles Turner turned his ankle after 9.5 minutes, so that obviously opened up a few things. You get him on your bench until he's playing again, obviously, but he'll be fine. Just really nice to see the main five for Indiana. Well, minus Turner, but he was playing well anyway, so I'm going to lump him into this. The main guys all were super productive in this game. And it's not going to be that way every night, but those are guys that should definitely be owned in fantasy. Uh, I think you rank them Turner at the top, then Brogdon, Sabonis, Warren, Lamb, but all should be on your team. Or, or a team. I guess it doesn't have to be yours. Kyrie Irving, Spencer Dinwiddie looked good. DeAndre Jordan had 17 rebounds in only 22 minutes, but I still don't trust him because he's a bad foul shooter, uh, and you're not going to get 17 rebounds in 22 minutes every game. Jared Allen is the better option because of defensive stats and efficiency. Torian Prince had an okay game. Would have liked to have seen a few more rebounds. And Karis LeVert had 15-6-3, but somehow ruined it by hitting 6 of 18 shots with 1 for 2 free throws and 4 turnovers. I complain, I complain, I complain. I just... Don't like his percentages. He's another guy where I, I, you know, you guys kept yelling at me that I was too low on him, too low, too low. He's really built for points leagues. Scoring, rebounding, assists, he'll get you some steals, he'll get you some threes, but his turnovers and his percentages are historically not good. And right now, he's actually shooting well from the field prior to this game. This one's going to drag him down. He was at 140 despite scoring 20 points a night coming into this ballgame because of free throws and turnovers. He's been very, very bad. So he's a guy where I'll believe it when I see it. If he can get those things corrected, he could be really good this year. But I'm not, I'm not a buyer on Levert, and you guys knew that from the preseason. Detroit got one of those weird catch-and-shoot fun ones from Langston Galloway, but it wasn't enough. Andre Drummond, 2020. Derek Rose, double-doubled. 16 points, 10 assists. That little hamstring soreness, so he might miss a game. They'll give him a little breather. We might see Blake Griffin back in their next one, so keep an eye on that. 
Um, which is a shame because uh, Markeith Morris actually looked pretty good in this ballgame. Toronto got a huge one out of Pascal Siakam. Kyle Lowry was fantastic again. Freddie Van Fleet, a kind of a quiet double-double, but a useful one. Uh, Norman Powell actually had a good ball game, but I'm not buying into that. Serge Ibaka, good game. OG Ananobi, quietly good game. Marc Gasol, not a good game. 15 minutes, hurt his knee. Maybe it's time to just stick a fork in it. He's hanging on by a thread. And a lot of it, I think, is name recognition right now. And you just, you can't, I mean, we'll all punch ourselves in the nards if we drop him and then he ends up turning it around because we know he can be really, really good. He just looks like he wants nothing to do with the offensive side. He's just banging around on defense, boxing people out and being a big body. But he is disengaged. Is it okay to drop him? Yeah, honestly, it really is if the right guy comes along. Don't do it for nothing. Don't do it for a low upside guy, but yeah, I mean, it's really okay. Damian Lillard was very good. Hassan Whiteside was decent enough. Kent Bazemore was a defensive stat or two away from a fantastic ball game. 14 points, 5 boards, 3 three-pointers. Where were the steals and blocks? Good old Kent. Whatever, I like his game. Uh, Oklahoma City side, we mentioned if Nerlens Noel gets a start with Adams out, he is a fantastic streamer, and he was. 15 points, 14 boards, a steal, and a block. Good percentages. Finally got a wake-up game from Chris Paul, who played 31 minutes at 21-5-5 with two steals, a three-pointer, 5-for-10 shooting, and 10-for-11 at the free-throw line. Slowly but surely, he will settle in this year. I know that we all want to scream panic. It seems like he doesn't want to do the offensive stuff unless he has to. And in this one, Gallinari, Schroeder, and Shea were all bad from the field. They all struggled offensively in this game. Gallo was 5 for 15. Uh, Schroeder was 6 for 17. And Shea was, I think it was 3 for 13? 4 for 13? I think it was 4 for 13. I might be getting that wrong. So a lot of guys struggled with their shot on the Oklahoma City side, and Chris Paul decided he would just do a little bit more in this one. What I'd like to see more of from Chris Paul is the assist department. Five is now a a season high for him. He's doing more offensively as a shooter and a scorer, which I guess is something uh, unusual for him, certainly. Uh, But either way, this is a positive. I mean, it was a guy that we're looking at and wondering when he was going to start to show some signs of life. This is a really good positive sign for that for someone that I think could be uh, damn good when healthy and playing so this was a good one picking on him for having 21 5 and 5 instead of 16 5 and 8 is sort of a weird hill to die on for me Uh, but I want more assists so let's see let's keep it moving in the right direction all right this is the game of the night there's no I mean Houston 159, Washington 158 in regulation, people. James Harden 59, 3 and 9. Bradley Beal 46, 6 and 8. They both were stellar. And they were not alone because normally you'd hear those two lines and think, well, the rest of their team had to combine for about 100 points. Nope. Excuse me, the rest of the team would have to combine for about 50 points. The rest of their team did combine for 100 points for Jimmy Butler. Or uh, for, Man, I'm all out of my sorts. All of a Look at this game and my brain exploded for James Harden's teammates. On the Bradley Beal side, his teammates had to combine for 112 additional points. And boy, did they ever. Daniel House, Daniel House, 
who uh, we've kind of been hyping on this podcast quietly. I was like, look, this is a guy I think you need on your team. He looks like a really nice 3 and D guy with better than usual percentages, better than usual rebounding, and he showed it in this one. 27 minutes, he had 16-7, four threes, two steals, and a block. And obviously everybody had bigger numbers in this ballgame. P.J. Tucker was strong again. Russell Westbrook triple-doubled. Clint Capella double-doubled. Eric Gordon even hit five three-pointers and nothing else. He's terrible from a fantasy perspective. Please don't ask me about Eric Gordon. He should be on your waiver wire. And then on the Washington side, nothing really moves, by the way, on the Houston side in this ballgame. I already wanted House on a team. I know he was only 8% owned going into this ballgame, but I have him in two places. And I'm guessing if you listen to this show, you probably picked him up. I know a couple of you folks told me on Twitter that you had picked him up. So, yeah, you better do it quick if you didn't already, because this is the one that's going to wake people up to the fact that he's playing big minutes, and they love him. Isaiah Thomas, ladies and gentlemen, supposedly at a 20-minute limit, he played 24 minutes and double-doubled. I mean, I'm not going to get too excited, because, again, this ball game was crazy, and everybody scored, and Washington shot 63% and lost this game which is just the, the biggest knock in the whatevers that you could possibly come up with. They outshot the Rockets by almost 10%. But anyway, back to the point here. Isaiah Thomas has looked really good in his two games. He's played a grand total of 44 minutes in two games so far. And he's got 33 points, 15 assists, and six three-pointers. Let's remember by the way, with IT, that he's never going to be a defensive stat guy. Even in his near-MVP season for the Celtics, he averaged .9 steals per game in 34 minutes, so he's not going to get those. But he is a terrific foul shooter. That is one of his advantages. He went 3-for-3 at the line in this ballgame. Field goal percent is not, but he's going to score, hit threes, get you some assists, and I can't believe that this happened already. He is... Uh, owned in 43% of leagues, which is a high number based on compared to kind of what I expected coming into this season because I saw him basically on every waiver wire when it was announced he was making his return. I got him in two of my four money leagues. I feel pretty good about that. I wish I got him in more. Kind of the same feeling I have about Daniel House right now. Isaiah Thomas could end up being the pickup of the year based on the fact that, you know, a week ago he was like 20 or less percent owned in Yahoo leagues. I'm really excited about what he could do. If you got him in a keeper league, you should be even more excited because if he plays well this season, he could sign on someplace to be a starting point guard. We're not going to head ahead of our, not too far ahead of ourselves, at, at least, but damn, this is a really nice start. And I know it was supposed to only play 20 minutes. This is way faster than I thought his minutes would ramp up. I know that his injury coming into the season was not one that should have derailed his conditioning because it was a thumb deal. Uh, but just from someone who really hadn't played competitive basketball, he played, what, 10, 12 games with Denver last year and looked out of sorts and, and lost? On a team now where there's sort of in a nothing-to-lose mentality, just go out, get buckets, he's looked brilliant. We may have scooped up a guy who could end up near the top 50 off the waiver wire. I am stoked about this. And I realize the wheels could come off at any moment. But I am awfully pleased with how that looked so far. 
Uh, Rui Achimura had 23, Davis Bertans uh, 21 on 10 shots in this ballgame. Again, he's not going to shoot 70% for the year. And so while I love the six three-pointers, uh, 10 shots, six three-pointers is not sustainable. So he's not at the top of my list. He's worth using, but be forewarned, that one's gonna that one will explode somehow. There's gonna be the cold stretch that goes along with the hot stretch, uh, and it'll be ugly when it happens. And those were the game, by the way. All of those games were done basically before any of the evening games got started. And of course, we gotta finish things off with the uh, night games, and there weren't a ton of them, but there was unfortunately some very large news that occurred in those evening ones, and we. Obviously can't gloss over that. The Kings lost again at home to the Hornets. This was bad, man. This is the roof caving in. Uh, Hornets are pretty predictable right now. Cody Zeller, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, Terry Rozier, and Devontae Graham all look really, really good. Dwayne Bacon is a drop. I think we have a strong idea of that. Kingside Harrison Barnes finally woke up, but he's not a guy we like in fantasy. Buddy Heald, ice cold. Darren Fox had a good line. He's been ice cold. Nemanja Bielitsa, who only played 25 minutes, I do think he's going to have some decent value here over the next, uh, well, Bagley absence, so probably at five-ish weeks or so. And then Rishon Holmes, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, the time is now. I mean, this is this is so wonderful. 17-9 and nine with, a, with some defensive stats, 8-10 shooting. He's been brilliant. It's so fun and so cool to finally see everybody paying attention to this guy that we've just been harping on at Hoopball for two and a half years. He is a must-own player. He will probably play his way into a 20-something minute role even after Marvin Bagley comes back. And of course, that means that the opposite side, Dwayne Dedman, he's a drop. Uh, Clippers, we warned you guys a little bit not to take too many chances with the power forward spot, even with Kawhi Leonard out. A lot of people ran Mo Harkless out there, and that failed. Uh, Jermichael Green was the guy who actually stepped up, had a bigger ball game yesterday. He's probably your safest play when Kawhi gets load managed, but I think I'd probably just dodge it all together. That's your, that's your easiest play. Uh, we talked about it with Brandon earlier in the show. Mike Conley woke up in a big way for Utah. He was a buy low. He is by, less of a buy low. Now, Donovan Mitchell, Rigo Bear, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, a little quieter. You knew he wasn't going to average 29 points a game. Uh, and then Joe Ingles, 10 points, 7 assists in 31 minutes. He deserves to be on rosters, especially if he's seeing that much time on the floor. And this was uh, Jazz improving to 4-1 and one with kind of a gimme here uh, against the uh, Clippers with Kawhi resting. And, of course, the big one, <sighs> Steph Curry, broken wrist. Mm, that is just... That's too much, man. That's too much here in the early going. This is a brutal, brutal blow. And it it just makes me sad to talk about it and think about it. But we have to. It's our job. Uh, Steph had nine points, five boards, six assists when he broke it, his, uh, his wrist. He had played 21 minutes. Eric Pascal was the guy who stepped up in yesterday's game. He played a team-high 38 minutes, had 20 points, three boards, and a couple of defensive stats. He shot the ball exceedingly well, which I don't think you can bank on every single night. He's a forward. He's kind of a wing when it comes right down to it. And people are like, well, why is this the guy that... Well, because D'Angelo Russell is now the point guard. So it's not going to just move straight to a Steph Curry backup. Instead, I think you see Russell play mostly point. By the way, he's going to be very good for the duration of this injury, whatever it happens to be. Uh, 
looking at some uh, other notes on on broken wrists, you know, if it's the shooting hand, we saw JV, uh, I believe he was a thumb or a hand. These things, they they do linger a bit. We're fortunate that it's the non-shooting hand for Steph, so it's going to be a lot of handle-related stuff, but at least he'll be able to get some shots up, and he'll be able to keep his conditioning. My guess would be, and we'll wait, that we'll have more information by later today, my guess would be something like six weeks. If he beats that timetable, that's fantastic. I think your first thought now is that your season is ruined, and I don't know that it is, especially if you're in head-to-head. You just try to stay afloat for the next month and change, Hope that your team doesn't suffer too many other injuries and just weather the storm. In Roto, this is a massive blow because the hope was that we were going to get 70-something games out of Steph this year. And now uh, I would venture to say that low 60s is probably your best target for him. Uh, And that kicks you right in the teeth. But don't give up hope. Don't completely revamp your team. You do, like with Bagley like with Aiton, have a couple of choices here. Either you sell immediately, like this moment... And take nothing worse than a guy drafted in the late third round or fourth round. At worst, because I still think Steph actually beats that projection. Or you sit on it. But what you don't do is panic and sell him for a top 50 guy. Don't panic. At least wait until the timeline is out. Because as it stands right now, you're panicking way more than the other people in your league are. The people that are going to come and try to take Steph on your hands are the people thinking, this dude's going to miss... This dude's going to come back before Christmas, uh, and I'm going to still have four months of Steph Curry. So don't let them fleece you. Hold it together. I am worried about Draymond Green. A report came out that he's dealing with a sore back. Uh, The team looks terrible. If they don't win any games, this is a team that could start to just rest guys indiscriminately, especially as you get into kind of the dog days. Am I making any pickups? Uh, I picked up Pascal in a couple of spots speculatively. I had I had dead weight I could cut on those teams. If you don't have dead weight, I don't know that I'd make the immediate move there. Uh, but again, I think the most important thing is actually not the pickup here, but instead the don't panic move if you have Steph. He's still going to be brilliant when he comes back. The non-shooting hand is a big deal. This game, by the way, was not as close as the final score indicated. Warriors uh, outscored the Suns by 17 in the fourth quarter to make it an 11-point game. They were down by almost 30. It was bad. It was bad even before Steph got hurt. Uh, so, yeah, Pascal's your speculative ad, but, again, you're not cutting anybody of value. Suns continue to play good basketball so far. Devin Booker has been efficient. He's actually letting Ricky Rubio handle a lot of the orchestration, which has been a massive, massive improvement to his game and to the Suns in general. Kelly Oubre, a little quieter yesterday. He was kind of a sell-high after a white-hot start. But then the big men. This is really the more interesting part, because you know the obvious guys on this team, Rubio, Booker, uh, and Oubre, and then Aiton, obviously, when he comes back. But with Aiton out, we're now getting into a weird revolving door. So I'm going to also throw Mikhail Bridges into this thing. Uh, Dario Saric had a nice game yesterday, and that's two out of his last three have been good. Aaron Baines had a monster of a game yesterday, and he actually, for somehow, continues to be the most consistent of the backup centers filling in because he's the rebounder among them. You know, he'll get you good percentages, which you can't always save for Kaminsky uh, and for Dario Saric. Aaron Baines is number 69 in nine category leagues, probably needs to be owned. Kaminsky's number 187. And Dario Saric is number 91. I admit, I fell into the trap. 
I fell into the trap of looking at Frank Kaminsky and thinking, this guy seems like the real winner in all of this. But here's the thing with Frank the Tank. And I, I did it, man. I, you guys can blame me if you have him when you should have had one of the other guys. Uh, his percentages are not good. He's shooting 37%, and he gets no defensive stats at all. So, yes, there's been some threes. The free throws have been decent enough. There's been some points. There's been some rebounds. He had that game with a few more assists. But overall, he's actually been the least interesting in a nine-cat format of that group. I do think I said Dario Saric was the one that you sort of had to hang on to to see how this whole thing played out because his percentages are low, and those are going to actually come back up towards his career marks. He got a bunch of steals in that game that I don't know if that's necessarily going to continue. Uh, but Aaron Baines right now is the guy you need to own until Aiton is back. Sharich is the guy that could probably hold value even afterwards because he's got the power forward eligibility, where Aaron Baines, he's not going to play alongside Aiton at all. Uh, he's just too gigantic. But in the limited minutes, his per 36s have been outstanding, uh, and he's a guy that needs to be on. If I'm looking at all my leagues right now, I'm in a, a handful of pretty competitive leagues. Aaron Baines is owned in 100% of them. Frank Kaminsky was dropped in one, so he's available in one of those leagues. And Dario Saric is owned in 100% of them. So you're probably not going to be able to go out and fetch any of these guys at this point. But if you can, Baines is your best fill-in for the next five weeks. Saric is your best rest-of-season value. And Kaminsky is your more points-leaguey uh, guy that doesn't do anything on defense and is actually hurting you in a few categories, guy. And again, you can put this one on me. I got a little too excited about Kaminsky's game with the assists. He is the least interesting of those three. And those were your late games to uh, wrap up the big Wednesday. Fun, fun Wednesday. A lot of things, a lot of takeaways there. Uh, Want to remind you guys, by the way, and I, I know I've said this on a few, but our recruiting continues here at Hoop Ball. If you're listening to this show and you want to get involved with us, at a journalistic angle and want to cover a team as an actual beat reporter, shoot me a note at Dan Bespris. This is a big undertaking. This is like career change stuff. Uh, team Hoopball at hoop-ball.com is the correct email address. I was giving that out wrong in a couple of shows. Or again, at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Team Hoopball at hoop-ball.com. Once again, is the note if you want to send some that way. Hoop Ball's Mike Passador digging into the Anthony Davis at center situation in Los Angeles. That's the current team coverage article we've got floating around right now. We've got brilliant stuff from Mike Pelichet on the Pelicans as well. Uh, we have a calendar where these things are being announced. It's, it's stellar, man. There's a Patrick Patterson article coming out. You can check that out as well. So get involved. Come uh, hit us up, man, if this is the way you want to change your career. And we will help you get there. Very few opportunities like this, especially to work under Aaron Bruski, who has actually done it. Covered a team as a member of the legit media. This is not fanboy blogging. This is cover a team, be a member of the media type deal. So hit me up at Dan Vespers. The Thursday card, short one, three games. Miami at Atlanta. Trey Young day to day. I'd be pretty damn surprised if he didn't miss at least one game. I think a lot of people are going to bet on the Heat after the way that they throttled them in the last one. Uh, I wouldn't be so quick to make that wager. That's all I'm saying. I don't know that I... Miami's favored by six in this ballgame. Um, they should win by all accounts, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. It's uh, You get into these 
weird little like season within a season type things and they don't play out the way you'd expect. This is a home and home. Miami won by 15 in their spot. And I know they really miss Trey Young. I mean, he's the whole offense for that Atlanta team. But uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. So I'm not going to watch the Atlanta side all that closely because obviously whatever happens here without Trey Young will change dramatically when he comes back. I am going to be watching the Miami side very closely because the Jimmy Butler deal, maybe this one will be a more competitive game. What do the rotations look like when it's a close game? How many minutes is he going to play? What does it do to guys like Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Harrow, who both were able to sort of hang on? Harrow had a really nice ball game, actually, against Atlanta. Got to the free throw line a bazillion times. If that doesn't happen in this one, how do those guys perform? What about Goran Dragic, who's played really well? What about Justice Winslow, who looks, or looked, I should say, very lost in Butler's first game back? Maybe he finds himself a little bit of a groove in this one. So there's a lot going on on the Miami side. That's definitely a team I want you guys watching. Denver is in New Orleans. I don't care that much about this ballgame. Less than I thought I would. That's for darn sure. Uh, Denver, sometimes the starters play, sometimes they don't. New Orleans, mostly the starters play. I'd love to see J.J. Redick actually make a shot, but from a what's happening standpoint, I think we have a pretty good idea on both sides. Drew Holiday's health is probably the biggest factor on that New Orleans side. And San Antonio is in Los Angeles to take on the Clippers. Kawhi Leonard sat out the Wednesday game for load management. Menagement. He'll be back now that his load has been menaged in this ballgame. Spurs going on the road. That's a fade if I've ever heard of one. They were horrible on the road last year. No reason for that to change all that much season over season. Uh, their values have been pretty straightforward so far. I'm not buying into the Derek White thing. I know he had one good ball game, but DeJounte Murray's minutes are going to slowly eke their way up, and that seems to be knocking the Derek White minutes slowly down. There was a report that they're going to try to play, play them together later on this season, but for right now, it's a lot of Bryn Forbes. And on the Clippers' side, with Kawhi back, you pretty much have a, an idea of what's going on. There aren't that many surprises with this team. Clippers are surprise-free. And then when Paul George, then we'll get a, a brand new, fresh take on everything with this club. By the way, Clippers are favored by five on the back end of a back-to-back -back with Kawhi back. Eh, it's not my favorite thing. I'd love to fade the Spurs on the road, but this is not the great line to do it. Because they're rested. Clippers off a tough one in Utah. Mm. Definitely have a lean to Atlanta. The Clippers and the Spurs leans kind of cancel each other out. I like the Clippers because the Spurs are terrible on the road, and I like the Spurs because the Clippers have a tough game coming back home after one in altitude and then getting a superstar back usually moves the line, and then it gets bet into a little bit further, so it sort of wipes out the value from that from the player and the motivational standpoint. So anyway, those sort of butt heads and run each other off the map. Um, I think Atlanta's probably the, the closest thing I got to a lean on this card. Feels pretty stupid to bet on a team without Trey Young, but injured star theory, ladies and gentlemen, it is one of my favorites. And if you'd like to bet along with us, you can do so with our buddies at mybookie.ag. We've told you about them before. We will tell you about them again. The promo code is today. Sign up for a new account, T-O-D-A-Y, and your first deposit will be matched by the good folks at my bookie. 
up to $1,000. When we get into more revenge games, we're really going to go buck wild. Uh, but again, these home and home games actually are a big deal as well. Miami Atlanta is a home and home, so that's a very near revenge game, if you want to call it that. Uh, those home and homes do have sort of weird little subplots going on that, that end up not necessarily getting featured in the line as much as they should. And in fact, sometimes create value going the other way, especially if a team beats the hell out of an opponent like Miami did uh, two days ago. So join us. Go to mybookie.ag. Open up the account. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention on the gambling side, as someone who worked in sports betting for a very long time, whatever you deposit, you might hear folks in betting talk about a unit. You bet in units. You don't bet in actual cash amounts. I mean, yes, obviously it translates. But a unit is technically 1% of your bankroll. Now, that's hard to do if you only deposit $100, right? You're not going to bet $1 on a game. But for those that are, let's say you put 1000 bucks into an account. And I'm not saying you have to do that because that's a lot of money. Let's say you put 1000 bucks into an account. A unit would be $10. And so you might have a one-unit play or a two-unit play. I would never, almost ever, go bigger than a three-unit play at any one time. But you want to have the ability to fluctuate a little bit, especially at the outset. Now, obviously, we want to win every bet, but that's not going to happen. So it's going to be a slow, steady slog. Bet reasonably. My take would be, maybe put two or 300 bucks into the account. Let them double that for you, so you got four to 600 floating around. And then just make a unit $10. So, you know, you only have... 60 units in total or 50 units in total, depending on where you're at. It's not, it's not the full 1%. It's more like a unit is 2% or you can just in your mind say you're doing a two-unit wager on everything. But in that case, don't go bigger than 15, okay? We're going to make this last. It's going to be a slow, steady climb. Let's try to win 10 to 20 units over the course of the year. You know, 100, 200 bucks, something like that. And then we'll roll that in. Next season, you recalibrate what is a unit. So if you put in a thousand bucks and a unit is ten dollars and we win 20 or 30 units, then you got 1300. So then a unit now is 13 dollars, right? And it grows like that. You try to grow 10, 20, 30 units every season, and over time, that snowballs. And do it with us at mybookie.ag. Part of that was an advertisement, part of that was just sound betting advice. That is your Thursday edition of Fantasy NBA Today. Thanks again to Brandon Marcus for coming on to talk buy low, sells high, sell highs, buys low and sells high, like passersby, and trades here in the small sample size season. We will wrap up the week tomorrow, Friday. Final show of the week. We'll take a look through the entire weekend. I liked that last time. So that'll be homework uh, through the weekend, what you guys are going to be looking out for. And then on Monday, we'll recap it all with a reverse chronological lightning round. I'm Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Rate and review the podcast. If you've been enjoying the show, open up the podcast app on your mobile device. Click on the search button. Type in Fantasy NBA Today. Click search. Choose the show logo over on the top left of your screen. Scroll down to the bottom, and then you can drop a little five-star review on it. We will thank you forever to the moon and back. We'll love you. That's part of what powers our locomotive over here. It allows us to grow the show, to gain advertisers, to keep this thing free forever. And uh, also something that uh, I can afford to do forever at the same time. <laughs> uh, again, Dan Baspers on Twitter. We'll uh, do our tweet storms and our what to watch for us and all our good stuff. And if you've got any questions about anything, as I mentioned, recruiting, game time, premium, the premium software or the premium product at Hoopball, uh, 
questions about your fantasy team, whatever, you can bug me about that stuff. I love it. I'm on Twitter almost all day, every day, provided my home is not on fire. Have a great Thursday, everyone. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.